Welcome to the Leadership Experiment. I'm Royce. And I'm Mia. It's the happy hour edition. Grab a cocktail and listen in as we answer some of your latest leadership questions. And you know how it goes. Royce and I will probably disagree on how you should handle it. But hey, it's a two for one perspective. Mia will give you the martini version and I'll share the whiskey. That's whiskey without any straight out of Scotland. Royce, you know they call that scotch, right? <laughs> All right, let's get started. Okay, so Royce, you said you have a hard stop because you you we're recording this morning before office hours. It is very early for both of us, but for you, it's extremely early because you have a hard stop. You have something going on. What's going on with you? Yeah, no, we do a, a standing sequencing meeting every Monday. And so we set up the priorities for the week. Okay, so that's like um, some agile work you were saying. Yeah, except uh, I think we did. We started doing that before agile was a thing. Yeah, before it became common parlance in those articles that you read. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we actually became an agile shop uh, in our day job about three years ago or so. And as they were going through uh, all, all the agile process and the definitions, I was like, "Wait, yeah, no, we do that. Yeah, wait, that's not new. Oh yeah, we've been doing that for twenty years. We just called it something else." So. <laughs> I know when you said sequencing meeting, I'm like sequencing meeting. Okay. And then you said to set the priorities for the week. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, it sounds a little bit like, you know, an agile operation. I just that the, the whole process and workflow and framework behind that um, methodology. But yeah, you're like, no, boo, we've been doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I love it's it. like we, we keep reinventing the wheel every couple of, every couple, 10 years when somebody needs to sell a new book or, or get a new process out there. So, so. Oh my God. That's so funny. Oh man. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess we should uh, get started. Yes. Then. Let's do it. Let's All do right. It. So we're, so, um, so this we're... is a, can we really even call this a happy hour? I mean, this would be like maybe a mimosa, but, but even then, <laughs> this, is not even, this is not even mimosa. I think it's still dark outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'm gonna go back to sleep as a matter of fact no i'm just kidding no this is um i don't know what you call this royce is technically you know happy hours when you finish work but could happy hour be the hour or two or three before work you know because you haven't gotten there yet so you're still happy although listen <laughs> you, i'm happy even really at, happy before work on a monday morning i'm happy at work i like what i do i love my teams so happy every hour every hour is happy hour for me it's just you know there you go that's the right attitude that's why you get the big bucks just uh the happier hours are those that i can um, indulge in a beverage of choice so clearly not doing that at this hour (laughs) (laughs) so okay we have a question What's, what's, I think you have the question. What's the question? I, I do. So thank you for, for submitting the question, avid listener out there. So yeah, just the, the, the question is help. Our marketing budgets are getting crunched and how do we get them to listen? Or, or what do we do as our, as our marketing budgets are being hacked looking forward? You know, obviously we're putting it a little bit in context, like you, uh, like to do last year coming off of COVID. I think most of our, uh, Budgets were were readjusted. They were reforecasted, and most of them, I, I would imagine, were adjusted down. So, looking out into this year, well, when you save money, um, you ever notice nobody gets a reward for saving money? Your your reward for saving money is a smaller budget the following year. Um, right. So true. <laughs> Listen, I tell my teams, spend every dollar, <laughs> spend every <laughs> dollar. You know, because if you're if you're being extremely efficient, which we can have a whole talk show on that. 
But if you're not spending what you're being allocated, then you're clearly your surplus is going to be cut. So you got to think about that, though. It is. And just a tangent for another show, since you dropped the tangent, you ever notice that your reward for hitting your sales goals are a higher sales goal? I mean, what kind of reward is that? <laughs> that so true. I've heard that. Uh, I, it's true. It, but you know what? You get to keep your job. Um, there's some benefit in that a little bit. But that's true, though. Isn't that the irony behind the higher goals or uh, save money, do more with less next year, you get less? Yeah, it's interesting. We should maybe we should yeah. unpack that a little bit. We should. But that just goes back to why I don't set any goals. But <laughs> so true that's right i forgot yeah. royce i'm coming to work for you oh man all right so this person's asking about the budgets we are but i have to go back off because last session I, I was in my in my bible study mode so i'll give you another anecdote that i'm not sure that i ever shared but i just love so pastor chuck smith who's passed away from calvary chapel he, he uh it was a, a church evangelical church that started um but he came out of the baptist church a, a southern baptist and he was sharing this story once on the radio, and, and this has a point. I'm not, I'm not preaching today. But uh, so he said that they got a fax. If anybody, for all you millennials out there or Gen Zers entering the workforce, look up facts. It's probably in Wikipedia. You might need an actual encyclopedia <laughs> to go back and find out what these are. But anyways, they, they had a fax because they had this contest. And the contest was for whoever could grow their congregation the most over some period of time. And, and this was like, a, and everybody was supposed to submit their ideas and whoever had the highest percentage growth or whoever brought the most congregants, whatever it was, would win the sales contest. And so being the pastor that, that Chuck Smith was, he uh, ignored it. And so he did what he's always done. And what he's always done was just taught the Bible. So chapter by chapter, verse by verse. He just teaches the Bible at church. Uh, what, what a novelty, go figure. And so at the end of the period, he got another fax. And the fax came and it says, congratulations, you guys won the contest. Gotta, could you tell us what you did and share you know, your best practices? They didn't use that word, but I, you know how much I hate that. So share your best practices with the other churches. And, and uh, Pastor Chuck then goes on to share that. He's like, well, uh, well, I was a little bit embarrassed and I never responded because a, I never told my congregation or my pastors that, that we were doing what we were even in a contest. You know? And so the point there being all he did was teach the Bible like he's done day, uh, you know, Sunday after Sunday, session after session. And organically, by focusing on the right things, this church grew, you know, more so than these sales contests or, or put in your promotions or, or whatever campaigns uh, you might do. If you keep doing the, the right things, you're going to get the right results. And that's uh, so, so true. That's I funny. That's I, I think I'm more enamored by the fact that a church had some kind of marketing promotion. I'm like, what in the world? But hey, you know what? <laughs> Everybody's got their thing, so I'm not going to hate on that. That's a good uh, segue into the marketing budget question. So what do you do, Mia? What do you do when they come back to you, whoever they is, and, and they say, your budget's been hacked, save some money, you don't get a marketing budget, any oh. of the above? Okay, well, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a different story if you're saying you don't get a budget at all. If you don't get a budget at all, uh, I think that's less about the numbers and more about the philosophical approach or that's more about 
how the organization or how the leader perceives the work that you're doing. I mean, if you don't get a budget at all, um, then we need to have a different type of conversation. And that conversation is, what value are you assigning to the work that we're actually doing? So that that's probably a, a totally different conversation I would have if I was told that I didn't have a budget at all. What the sounds like the question that we have is the budget's been um, decreased for whatever reason. How do you go to bat for more? How do you try to make an argument um, to request a larger budget? I think kind of going back to the example you just gave about the pastor and the marketing campaign in the church and how if you do the right thing organically, uh, your results will come. I think that applies here to this situation in a way. My stomach is growling. I'm going to have to go <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what happens when you record before breakfast. <laughs> okay, so that was not an earthquake. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, I'm like, my stomach is really growling loud. That's totally going to be picked up on this microphone. Um, but uh, so going back to your example, I think this is something we should always be thinking about, that even though the sun is out and everything is great and we've got this nice size budget and we're able to allocate these funds and do some fun things, that there is always a chance that this, this, could, uh, this could change. We always have to anticipate that Potentially, there could be something that is going to happen that could cause us all to have to take a haircut, like the pandemic, right? Or just financials change or whatever the case is. There could be something that down the road, while we have been used to getting what we've asked for, something happens and things change. So not that we're going to be able to mitigate that completely, but we can always prepare for that by making sure that everything we do justifies the investment that we're asking for by the terms that we use, saying that marketing is an investment, it's not an expense, demonstrating the return on an, on that investment, whether you're doing it Mia's way through an Excel spreadsheet or some type of calculation with charts and graphs, or you're doing it Royce's way, which is some other sort of way that justifies the spend. I mean, you're clearly successful producing results. So if you're doing that all the time and then it comes a point where now we have to come to the table and talk about what's going to get cut. If you're producing and showing up and demonstrating value for the organization, the chances of you being cut out completely is going to be a lot less than if all you talk about is, you know, we have this marketing campaign and we need to pick a color palette or marketing is the fun team that always does um, the decorate. We've talked about this, you know, just the fun stuff, the aesthetics, the things that aren't really strategic. So we need to be always working and focusing on that piece to justify our spend. That's my take on it. What do you say about that? Yeah, I think tactically you're right. The one thing I would tell the listener and all listeners in this bucket is the first thing to do was uh, take a step back because when you position a problem like that or when you think about a problem like that, which, which we all do, you automatically make yourself the victim. And, and so you put yourself at the receiving end of a, of a cut marketing budget. Quite honestly, I would say that um, the savvy marketer would have been the first one to cut their budget knowing that it was coming. Because if you're that in tune with, the business, you're that in tune with what the executive decision-making is looking like, and you're that in tune with the business and the environment, then the prudent thing was probably to see it coming and do it before they could do it to you. It, it reminds me of, um, if you ever watch any sort of, youth, especially in youth sports, because I love the parents, or, or like a professional sports where they argue with the ref, 
have you ever seen anybody argue with the referee and the referee looks at him and goes, uh, you know, Mia, you're right. Let me change my call. Right. You know? And it's like that when you're arguing over budgets or goals or anything. With the, because what happens is you walk away angry and everybody says it's wrong. But it reminds me of this hockey game that, that I was watching and it was awesome where it was very, very clearly icing. And, and for icing, it's when the line, the puck crosses two lines, it goes back there and nobody, the opposing uh, attacking team doesn't play it. So um, the announcer on TV says, well, up there it goes and that's going to be icing. And then the referees don't call it. And, and without skipping a beat, he goes, well, I guess it's not icing. <laughs> so now everybody could have argued very clearly on tape. But what did the defending team do? They just played the puck and off they went, right? So my, my point there being, um, if if you have that budget cut, then you go back to everything else you just talked about where you start making the moves, you start demonstrating value with what you have, and you shrug it off like it's a bad call. And you take the ball that you have or, or the hand that you're dealt, and you absolutely run with it, and you translate that into value. Because at some point... At some point, I go back to my uh, my president of the mortgage bank, which incidentally, um, years ago, when I first started in this business, I was uh, quite a bit younger then. And, but even in my over 20 years of doing this, the only person I was afraid of professionally, that's a story for another day, but this guy was, this guy was fantastic. I loved him. And we were doing budgets once, and I, and I turned in my budgets. And we were supposed to meet, and then there's this big ordeal, and uh, we're publicly traded, so everybody takes it all seriously. And after about three minutes, I send him the budget. He comes back to me and says, that's good enough for budgeting purposes. And I'm like, well, what's that mean? Everybody else is on edge here. He's all like, look, if it, even if it's in the budget, if it makes sense, if it, if it doesn't make sense, we're not going to do it. And even if it's not in the budget and it makes sense, we're going to do it. So just turn it in. And I'm like, dude, you're like the guy that I'm scared of professionally and driving <laughs> all of our revenue here. And he's like, eh, whatever. It's so uh, I think about that good enough for budgeting purposes because he's absolutely right. If you've got a knockout um, campaign or there's just this amazing opportunity and you need to variance it, I mean, you'd have your leadership team would entirely have to have their head in the sand to sit there and say, no, we're not going to do it if the results are that amazing. Um, the other piece is, if you believe in it so much and the only way to do it is to take from another one of your pet projects and put your own skin in the game, then you should be willing to do that. And if you're not doing that, then do you really believe in it as much as you say you do? Yeah, I, th there's so much in it where... There, there are so many things you can do. There's so many other opportunities. And when you just see that top line number being cut, you forfeit control and you put yourself on the defensive. True, true. Uh, you, you know, that reminds me of there was a, a HubSpot report um, that actually said if you can demonstrate the value in your campaigns, you're 1.6 times more likely to get funding or budgets a budget increase if you can demonstrate the value so everything that you're talking about whether you're talking about tactically demonstrating the value in terms of a, res a return on the initiative that you're running or if you're if you're establishing a return on investment in all the things you just mentioned 
strategically looking at what you're proposing and saying, we're going to call an audible if it doesn't make sense, or we're going to delay this short term and we're going to react to something that's happening in the marketplace or conditions are prime for this. And it makes sense to do that. Now, now that's, that's a strategic thinker. That's someone that the executive is going to value. Um, also understanding what's the reason for the marketing budget cut. Um, if you're in tune to that, if you understand what the pain point of the actual decision maker is, you can speak to that too. So all of these things, just being in tune to what's happening locally in your own space, standing up on the balcony, as we say, and looking ahead and what's happening in the market space to be able to call audibles and then knowing specifically what's going on in the mind of the decision maker as to why the budget needs to be cut. What's the thinking? What's the strategy? What's the reasoning? And you can speak and defend to that. At the end of the day, I think that's all you really can do. Demonstrate the value ahead of time so that you are the number one player at the table that is going to be considered last when it comes to any type of budget cut. Why should marketing, business development, all these other departments be at the bottom and we tend to, tend to put lending and operations on the top because for what? Um, maybe because we can see those results um, easier because of what's happening in the retail spaces. I don't know. Perhaps that's some reasoning. We can unpack that too. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. You know, I I, I don't know if it's like the 1.6 that the Grubhub or whatever said. But, the but it, you know, <laughs> HubSpot. Yeah, is that what you said? Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, so, so my Grub HubSpot, what do they bring me? What kind of Grub do I get? Um, oh my God. HubSpot, dude. HubSpot, one of the biggest <laughs> firms in the world. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Make your point. Yeah, more power to them. Well, Good on you for being one of the largest firms on the world. So um, I forgot my point. No, my point being, although my measurement systems um, may, may, may differ than what people in the industry like to talk about, the thing is what you just said, it's being able to attribute the value back to your content. If you can't attribute, whether it's within the business or whether it's your member, your customer, your consumer, if they can't attribute value back to you and whatever activities you're doing, then, then there's no value in it. It's um, they they have to make that connection, and that's what builds all of your brand equity. That builds your 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 consumer sentiment, and so it works the same way within internal marketing budgets. If the company can't understand the value that your activities are bringing, then then the attribution is missing. And if and it's not their fault. They're not stupid. They're not blind. It's your fault because you've not successfully demonstrated or served up the content in such a way to draw those attributions. That's true. And I, I would further add, in this case, I'm going to assume that the the person who wrote in is speaking specifically to the COVID environment. But, you know, this can happen at any time. This can happen because of a number of circumstances. Absolutely. So I would sit down with a decision maker, have a conversation. Don't be afraid to ask questions. What's the impetus for this move? What's the strategy? What's the thinking? What is the overall focus? If the budgets are being cut, is this an isolated strategy? Is the overall strategy of the organization changing? What's now the strategic priority of the organization so we can speak to that and make sure that we're prioritizing in the event that the budget does get cut? Because listen, at the end of the day, we can be the most skilled marketer and we can make the best pitch and we can have brought the best results to the table. But if budgets have to get cut, then really... We just, we have to work with that. So sit down, have the conversation. And it also, that opportunity presents itself. It allows you to establish 
your credibility as a professional even more to understand and be in tune to what's happening in the space and not just show up and say, okay, tell me how much, how much do I have to spend? I mean, don't do that. Sit down and understand what's really happening. Well, and I think you made a key point in there, Mia, where you talked about um, if the strategy shifted. I mean, if the strategy shifted, then by definition, your marketing tactics should be out of date. So then what are you still trying to do amidst the strategy change? And you should be willing to take those all off the table and adapt your plan for the new strategy. That, that I mean, that, that was uh, definitely nail on the head. And what does that say to the leader when you say, well, I have these 10 things over here that we planned on doing. And so now we have 75%, 50% of our budget. So maybe we'll do all of these things and just scale them all back. Or, oh, that you said the strategy's changed. And so now we're looking over here and not here. Okay, we'll still do some of these if we can. Listen to that. Listen to that argument. That makes no sense. We need to be, I just, I hate to, I'm really overusing the word strategic. It is early, but it's really the best word. It's the, it's, we have to be more in tune to what the goals are so we can let go, not be romantic, tied to any of our ideas that we wanted, that we wanted to um, implement. If we're now faced with a greater challenge, we, we have to shake those priorities to the top, demonstrate that we're hearing and understanding what the need of the businesses and work accordingly. So uh, that sounds surprisingly like Agile or what uh, we discovered over 20 years ago before Agile made it to the mainstream, I love uh, it. which was uh, it's good enough for budgeting purposes. <laughs> That's true. You know, there was a there was a time where back in the day when I, I was writing um, the marketing budget, my plans would be 65 pages long. I know that sounds insane, but they were very detailed. Yeah. <laughs> They were they were very detailed. They were extremely detailed down to the types of campaigns we would run and when we would run them. And now that just doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't work anymore. We have to we have to adapt to what's happening around us. And if you can write a plan for 12 months, um, if you can write a marketing plan that's going to last for 12 months, have a 12 month shelf life. I want to talk to you because you've got some serious Gregory um, crystal ball action going on because I don't know of anybody who can do that these days. Oh yeah. Um, we should keep talking then. But uh, I learned in my MBA class years ago also was that the reality of strategy is the environment. And so, although I do have, I don't know if I quite hit 65 pages. Now that's a new goal, but our strategy, our, our marketing strategies are, are pretty robust. Most of them are, um, I, I like the term, Kina uses it, but they're environmental scans. So it, they're, all, they're all reports. They're, they're research reports in the state of the business all across the board. And so they do end up being a little bit in-depth. And the tactical piece is very much missing. I mean, uh, in, in our marketing strategy, we're not going to say, well, on April 19th, we're going to launch our HELOC campaign. That, that's not in our, in our strategic marketing plan or marketing strategy. But our marketing strategies do talk about consumer preferences, um, key beat timings and product beats and, and evolving behaviors and, and demand and, and things all along those lines. And so those are definitely all the things that have to be in a plan. That should be, a, that, that should be one, one of our topics, I think. I love that. Uh, we should maybe explore that for a topical conversation unless someone would like to specifically write in 
at happyhouratroyceandmia.com and ask uh, specific questions about marketing budgets. But if not, we can always explore that because I think that would be a great topic. What does, uh, what does the plan actually look like? What should be included? What should not be included? And this is a different conversation from 10 years ago, even five years ago. I'd probably have a different recommendation then than I do now. Um, so Wait, so I have to know, though, your marketing yeah. calendar. How far out is your marketing calendar now? My team's running three-month sprints now. Really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> we uh, Our calendars run out 18 months. 18 months? Okay. Maybe we should talk more about what's on the calendar. I, I would mine, mine is probably a little bit more tactical than yours is. Of course, our our strategic plan is a running three years. Um, but of course, you know, the campaign side of that is much shorter. We should talk Ours about are that. campaigns for 18 months, yeah. Okay, Royce. Well, you have that freaking crystal ball, I guess. But, uh, well, listen, have we answered the question about um, marketing budgets? I think we did. I hope so. Our listeners will have to tell us. All right. So at the end of the day, Royce, what are we telling this person about what they should do when the marketing budget is slashed? Um, first thing to do is take a step back and wonder, ask yourself first, why weren't you the one to slash it? L look out towards the environment and you absolutely nailed it. Did the strategy change? Did the environment change? And if any of the above are true, then, then what needed to change in the marketing um, tactics and by uh, extension than the marketing budget. And the next thing behind that is start to look at what, what you're actually implementing and figure out what you're doing in pursuit of the new strategy. And if all of that was absolutely wrong and off base, then look back at yourself and look at uh, how you're attributing the value of your activities in the department and stop, uh, wait, what do you always say? Decorating Christmas trees? Decorate, you know, bring in the donut, being the donut person. Yeah. The keeper of the crayons. Don't be the keeper of the crayons. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, shall we go get coffee then? That sounds great. We'll throw in a shot of Kahlua just for the heck of it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Experiment with Roy Samia. If you enjoyed this episode and know somebody that might like it, send it on. And if you didn't but want to punish your friends, send it anyway. And for a change of pace, join us for our Friday happy hour question and answer show, where we pour a cocktail and answer your most burning questions. If you'd like to pick our brains, Royce, that's gross. <laughs> simply email us at happyhour at royceandmia.com. Names will be changed to protect the guilty. Until next time. Keep the shiny side up. <laughs>